0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning, saunterers. Good morning, radio friends. Good morning on Facebook. We are sauntering once again. This time we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, Paul the Apostle has just finished his major piece on love and we're going to pick it up from there. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you speak to us and how you live in your word and as we open our hearts to your word we open our hearts to you and so this morning we welcome you holy spirit we welcome you to speak to us today in jesus name amen good morning kathy and fran uh here we go so 1 corinthians chapter 14 paul says pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy pursue love. Now, the word for that he uses for pursue is the same word that is used in Acts to describe Paul pursuing the Christians, to hunt them down and put them in prison and sometimes worse. And it's it, it's got two meanings, really. One is to persecute and one is to run after but i guess it's the same idea it's that thing of hunting down and so paul's saying hunt down love pursue it actively don't just expect it to waft into your life like a lovely cloud of perfume but pursue it and make it your goal to hunt it down so go after it zealously and diligently buenos dias flor Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, just a little parenthesis there. So Paul is not saying... Um, don't pursue the spiritual gifts, you need to pursue love. What he's saying is pursue love, absolutely, avidly, actively pursue love, but also earnestly desire, deeply, strongly covet the spiritual gifts. Not that you want what someone else has got in the sense of that should be mine, but that you run after these things, you make them a strong desire, you hotly pursue them, love and the spiritual gifts. So in the context of love, pursue the spiritual gifts earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy and then he gives us this little bit of thing about a little bit of commentary about prophecy and tongues he says that when when one speaks in a tongue no one understands them. but that's interesting because on the day of pentecost when they spoke in tongues people did understand them and they kind of verified that these were actually authentic languages that were in c- current use across the kind of Central Asian region, across the known world at the time. But Paul's saying, generally speaking, tongues is confusing and it's so interesting as well, if you want to think about it, that God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel because he said these people are just going to continue on in their arrogance and they've got this ability to communicate and agree together and they're going to just do... So God confused the languages, but it's interesting that at the at Pentecost, he sends the gift of tongues in this as a spiritual gift so that even in the obscurity of tongues there would be something going on which actually describes an incredible moving of God that is bringing people together which is the complete opposite but that we will talk a bit more about that as we go along so he says for he who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God that's really interesting when we speak in tongues it's a godward direction that our speech is going for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the spirit so we can also say she he she it's not just men obviously um but he utters mysteries in the spirit so as we speak in tongues our spirit is crying out to god and engaging in a heavenly dialogue that our brain is slightly outside of. So it's going on spirit. There is a scripture that talks of deep calling out to deep. And it's the deep place in our heart calling out to God. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I don't absolutely have a clue what to pray. and But I just need to lean into God and speaking in tongues and letting my spirit cry out to him is a phenomenal way of doing that. Good morning, Tracy Ann and Phil. It is a beautiful morning indeed. So um, he says, on the other hand, gosh, our neighbors doing something. So uh, let me see. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So this is really important. It's to build people up, encourage and console them or comfort them so that's what prophecy is for it's directed to people to build them up and bless them and there's something so wonderful about when someone receives a a prophecy from God for you personally and even sometimes when they don't know you from Adam and they bring this prophecy and it reaches that place in your heart and you think oh wow That is just what I needed to hear. That is so encouraging and so comforting to know that God is thinking of me and willing to reveal things to one of his children to bless me personally. So the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up and so he's saying there's a there's a sort of benefit here to the individual of speaking in tongues we edify ourselves we build up we build the house the temple in our own heart but paul is saying let's when we're together let's see how we can build the whole thing let's build up each other but it does. He doesn't say, "I don't want you to speak in tongues." What he's saying is, in terms of a public address of tongues, it needs to be understood. Otherwise, it's just confusing and obscure, and has no particular benefit to anybody. And so, um, so that's a that's a helpful thing. Often, this verse has been used to say we shouldn't speak in tongues in the public meetings of the church there is definitely I believe a time when we all pray together and with one accord we lift up our voices in prayer and we're all praying at the same time to be honest it's hard to hear whether understand what people are saying particularly whether it's in tongues or English so I think in those times let's do it let's all speak in tongues let's all sing in tongues let's reach into heaven and then somebody bring the prayer in our native language or in the common language that we can all then say amen to and that's like the interpretation then or the kind of amalgamation of all the prayers that have been going up and there have been times when the spirit has moved on us to pray and intercede for a particular situation And we've all prayed all together, maybe for 10 minutes out loud in tongues or English or whatever our language is. And then in that time, somebody may have prayed with focus in in the common language. And at the end of it, there's really been this sense of like, wow, that was something we broke through. That seems to have had traction somewhere in heaven. And thank God. And then we've seen the results of that, which has been really exciting. So um, I think there, there's a point here, Paul's saying, build up the church. Let it be comp- comprehensible. You know, when when we're making in a public address, let it be in the language everyone can understand. I've been in churches where the preacher, where you have to, where where I've preached in English and the, the pastor is interpreted in two different languages and sometimes everyone laughs and I think I haven't even told a joke so goodness only knows what's going on there that's a different kind of interpretation but it's kind of interesting and funny uh so Paul says you know the, his goal remember is that the church may be built up and we said that didn't we um about love puffs up Uh, Sorry, knowledge puffs up, but love builds the house. And supports saying, this is what we want. These are the values that we're espousing, that the whole church gets built up and edified together. So when we're together, verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If... Even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes. How will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So if we just get hold of a musical instrument and just play random notes, it's not considered to be music. It doesn't help anybody. It's not nice. Well, it might be accidentally nice in places, but it would tend to be more of a racket. And Paul's saying, you know, come on, guys, think it through. I'm not going to just stand. When I come to you, I'm not going to just stand up in front of you and speak in a tongue for the whole time. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything from it unless somebody is able to interpret that tongue and make sense of it. So verse nine, he says, so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without its meaning. So, he's not saying that tongues don't have meaning, he's saying they're not the meaning is not understood unless that is somebody's native tongue. Verse 11 But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church this is very simple isn't it he's saying you want these gifts okay do it but strive to do it in a way that builds up the church so this is so God's work gets done verse 13 therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what am I to do Nevertheless in church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so here we have Paul's values very clearly spelled out. He says, "Listen, I'm a tongue talker. I do it all the time. I do it more than any of you guys. Good morning John and Jane. And that's that's cool, isn't it? And I think sometimes tongues has been these scriptures have been used to try to push tongues out of church because it's odd. It's a little bit weird. I don't think we should try and pretend that it's not a little bit weird. It is a little bit strange and it is a mystery. And Paul says we utter mysteries to God. That's the whole thing. So when someone comes in and they may overhear someone speaking in tongues as part of worship and it's their own private interaction with God. And they might say, What was that? What language was that person? And you you explain and you say, Oh, they were speaking in tongues. What's that? Speaking in tongues. And then that's still a conversation that's kind of interesting and not always easy. But it's still what Paul's saying, this is a mystery. And sometimes when we pray on our own and we pray in tongues, we've got no clue what we're praying about. And it's helpful then to interject in our own language and begin to pray from this, you know, continue on that prayer, but in our own language a bit. And then we get insight sometimes into what we're praying about. And sometimes I've overheard myself praying in tongues and thought... I recognize that and there was one time when I was praying and I preached on it a few Sundays after um, that about and I heard myself say Casa Bonita and which means beautiful house in Spanish I know enough Spanish to know that and so it was really cool so when I when I heard myself say that I said Lord was that just accidental or is that a thing and as I began to meditate on it and dialogue with the Lord over it I felt he was saying, listen, Paul, I want to build a beautiful house. And of course, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about building a beautiful house where everyone has a part and is built up in love and the spiritual gifts all operate, which all conspire to do the same thing, which is build one another up in love. And it's just glorious, isn't it? Good morning, Olga, and good morning, Raymond. Dobre utro. Dobre utro. Dobre utro. Uh, So, um, anyway, so Paul says, you know, and he then he reiterates that it's helpful if people can understand what we're saying. Verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. We've talked about this, haven't we? Chapter 13, he says, When I was a child, I thought like a child. He's talked about childishness being self-centered, egocentric. And we used the word yesterday, which i um, Tracy Ann Light uh, Christ-centric. Let's this this whole thing is Christ-centric, what Paul's talking about, building up the house. And so he's and he says, Don't be um don't be children, don't be egocentric, be infants in evil but in your thinking be mature. So he says, you don't have to go and learn a load of stuff about sin and what's going on. You don't have to explore the depravities of sin to understand that it's bad. He said, be children in that respect, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues, sorry, tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers so he's saying actually tongues is a sign it's a supernatural sign that people say oh wow that's amazing they's speaking kidding tongues and i heard a story about a lady who went into a i think it was a temple of some other religion and god spoke to her and said go into that temple and pray so she knelt down and she knelt down next to this other person who was there kneeling and began to speak in tongues because she didn't know what to pray and this woman after a few minutes who she's knelt down next to said how do you know my language and she says well i don't and the whole conversation went on from there and this lady had knelt down and begun to pray in tongues to our god and had told this lady her heart's burden if you like her heart's cry and she was able to lead this lady to the lord which is fabulous isn't it it's not happened to me like that yet but i'm not going to rule it out so he says uh, so prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers if therefore the whole church comes together and speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're out of your minds? So this seems to contradict itself, doesn't it? Paul's saying it's a sign for unbelievers, but then he says if unbelievers come in and hear you all speaking in tongues, I think you're loonies, <laughs> which is probably true. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. So it seems as if Paul's kind of making the opposite point he's saying that it actually tongues is of more benefit to you if you are a believer but i don't know what he's quite saying here it seems to contradict itself a bit but if all prophecy if sorry but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters he's convicted by all he's called to account by all the secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face he will worship god and declare that god is really among you And so there's something about the prophetic gift, that word of knowledge, that bit of information that only God could possibly know. When someone stands up and prophesies, and the secrets of your heart are laid bare, they're like, whoa, like this lady in the temple. When someone stands up and says, Do you know what? I feel God is wanting to address somebody this morning, and this is the word, and someone there is thinking, gosh that is so specifically about me i was in a meeting a couple of years ago and i was sat next to a guy from brazil whose name was gustavo he'd nipped out for coffee but in the coffee shop there were speakers playing and the the um, minister who was sean bolts got up and said there's someone here from brazil and your name is gustavo and you're preaching you're you're training to be a um, something within the medical profession and he said I'm training to be a dentist and then the guy Sean Boltz carried on telling him a couple more things by which time he's like wow this is incredible and so he he was utterly wired by that and it was very very exciting to be sat next to the guy who had that such specific word you know called by name and then the details of his life It's just so amazing. So they will, so he says, verse 25, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Verse 26, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things, here we go again, let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there should be only two or three at the most three and each in turn and let someone interpret. So this is in the sense of a public utterance, like where you come up to the microphone and speak a set of phrases in this tongue. There needs to be somebody who comes up and interprets that, otherwise, that is pointless, a pointless exercise. Um Um, But if there's no one to interpret, let them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. So it doesn't say you can't do it, just do do it on a more personal level between you and God. Let two or three prophets speak and the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to one sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So he's saying when the prophets want to prophesy, let's not all, this is not a competition. Who can prophesy the loudest or the longest or the most impressive, daunting word? This is actually all for the building up of the church. It's all in the context of chapter 13 where love is not rude, love is not envious or rude, it's patient and kind and so on and so on. And so then he says, you know, let's do it in a way where people, where the message gets actually heard, let's line the prophets up. He does, when he says two or three, it doesn't mean that's all you can have, it just means have a manageable amount so that the message actually gets heard and not just completely swallowed up by the cacophony of or the constant you know barrage of another word another word another word another word we need to catch these words and listen to them and reflect on them and he says weigh them listen give them weight don't dis- don't be dismissive right one last important point here. So he says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As with, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, this has been a stick to bash women over the head with over the years. The point is that Paul has already said, when women prophesy, this is how they should do it. When women pray, this is how they should... So he's not saying they shouldn't speak. They shouldn't have any public ministry in the church. When Paul sent the letter to the Roman church, it was given by Phoebe it was taken by a woman called Phoebe, who was the one to read it out in the congregation. So they clearly did. Priscilla, we talked about this when we did the Book of Romans. Priscilla was a Bible teacher who taught the apostle Apollos with her husband Aquila. So we know that women did minister and did prophesy and did speak and did preach in the context of the church. But what Paul's, I think, the commentators say that it's possibly that the women sat on one side of the gathering like they did in the synagogue and they were chattering away to each other discussing what was being said and shouting across the room to their husbands what do you think about that love <laughs> and Paul saying no that's not good we need to sort this out because it's messy and let's not have that so it's the the word he uses there for speak is is that can be I'm not saying this is definitive, but it can be used in the sense of chattering or making noises like, you know, kind of calling out and that kind of thing. So, what? but again, we need to understand it in the context of building the church up. We want this to be a place where people actually benefit from being there and it's not just like a kind of... Free for all with everyone shouting across the room and chattering away to themselves, and so there's a there's a level of respect for each other and a respect and regard for the Holy Spirit and what actually is going on there, and hosting the presence of God. So, verse thirty six, or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge. That the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So Paul's saying, Listen, I am putting I am laying down the law here, I am being assertive. You need to understand what I'm saying is authoritative and it's for a purpose so that the church can do well. And clearly the services and the meetings and the gatherings of the Corinthian church left a lot to be desired. There was a lot of disregard for one another, disrespect, disregarding what was really going on, disregarding the presence of God, disregarding the significance of Holy Communion and sharing and Above all, they were showing a lack of love, and Paul's saying this really needs to be sorted out, and even the way you conduct yourselves and the way you speak and the way you listen in the in the assembly needs to be done in the atmosphere of love, and therefore, then it will be done decently and in order i think decently and in an order has also been used as a means of restricting the flow of the holy spirit because anything that's a little bit unusual gets put into that that's not decently and in order that's a go- that's confusion you're bringing confusion brother i think we need to understand what paul's saying he's very much encouraging the operation of the spiritual gifts, but he's saying let it all be done in an atmosphere of love where your priority is to build one another up and build up the church. That's been a bit of a gallop. I hope that has all made sense and may God bless you so richly today in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining. Do share and like and do all that kind of stuff. God bless you.